Welcome to the Today Counts show. Today does count because it impacts, it influences your tomorrow and the day after that and the day after that. The Today Counts podcast is sponsored by the generous donors of the Lead Today community. I'm your host, Kim Piper. Welcome back, everybody, to the Today Counts show. Today, I have with me a co-host. She is our assistant producer, and she's going to kind of share the chair with me, so to speak, uh, with this podcast. So, uh, everybody, welcome Chase Stinson. Chase, say hello. Hi. Thank you so much. I'm super excited for today's podcast. Um, We have a guest that I am super excited about. Her name is Allison Ide. She's an up-and-coming artist in the world of Christian music. Um, Her new song, Love Who I Am, went viral over the last couple of months, and she recently also just released a new song called Real Life. So we're here to learn a little bit more about her. She likes to talk about themes of mental health, and she's also an athlete. So excited to see what she has to say today. Awesome. Thank you so much. Um, So to get started, I wanted to ask a little bit about your interest in music. So I know that your dad is a musician, so music has been a part of your life for a very long time. Yes. Um, So what kind of encouraged you to pursue music as something of your own? Um, growing up. Absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you guys for having me on today. I'm so honored to share about just the music and the journey with Love Who I Am and what's to come. But yeah, growing up, so my dad, he was a worship artist for like 25 years full time. Um, He's now settled and is um, a pastor at a church. But I grew up um, touring with him and it started when I was probably like six years old. I, my older brother, Taylor, was Um, taking piano lessons. And he like, I was so jealous of him that he got to do and I couldn't. And I was like, no, if he could take lessons, I should take lessons. So I would like crawl up on the piano and teach myself the songs um, that he was learning. And then eventually my parents were like, just put her in to lessons. And then, so I started and um, (laughs) literally from the second piano lesson, I fell in love with composing songs. So like creating anything with music, writing, composing on the piano, like poetry, you name it. I just fell in love with it and um, started writing songs probably at that age. And then when I was growing up, it was just my favorite thing to sing and perform, doing musicals and stuff. And my dad decided to bring me on to one of his shows and bring me on stage. I think I was 11 to sing a song and literally from that moment singing I was like, I want to do this for the rest of my life. I love music. Just it was like huh. somehow this place where all my like creative, chaotic energy had an outlet. And so that's kind of what it was to be on stage performing, engaging audiences or like writing song. Like it was like my elements. So, so grateful for that. And then when I was 13 is when my dad was like wanting to bring me on the road more because I loved it. And I became his little guest artist on tour in high school. We would do co-shows together. We would make live records together at the end of high school um, is when I decided to make my first EP like of original songs. I'm like, I'm ready to like put myself out there. So I did, it was called in the moment. Um, and I just, we brought in a couple musicians, tracked all these songs And then did a one-take music video with friends and family. It was really sweet. Um, And then after that, I also, I was raised in a music and sports family. So my dream was also to play college basketball. So I was like, in the height of releasing music, let's pause that. (laughs) And like, 
not travel for four years, well, a little bit, but and go play college basketball. In those four years, I um, wrote a ton of music, composed a lot, but it ended up being a roller coaster of four years, um, specifically with mental health. That's been like a huge passion of mine because since I was a kid, I've struggled with an anxiety disorder. Um, and it was, it escalated, was at its worst in college, but it was through that and a very crazy story. Um, the Lord redeemed so much and a lot of songs came out of that, that I was like, I, it's so not right if people feel alone in the mental health struggle. And so the songs that like love who I am, real life, things that are coming forward all stem from that time. So, and that's where I'm here today. Graduated college. I got the degree, barely. And then <laughs> now full-time music, we're pursuing the dream and it's a blessing. <laughs> you, you say we, who's we? Uh, sometimes that's a great question. We, rhetorically speaking, just me. I, <laughs> I sometimes <laughs> say me in the plural. That's just, my lingo is weird. So <laughs> me as in, me and my team, I guess, we will make it make more sense. That's good. That's good. Um, uh, I'd like to jump in here if I could just for a minute. Um, yes, you're right. Mental health is, uh, my, my, my sister is a, uh, a psychiatric nurse practitioner. And in mm-hmm. fact, uh, we, I've done a couple of podcasts in, in regards to that, to that topic. If, if you allow me, I'd like to ask you a couple of questions about that just to clarify. So, yeah. you're, so you're in school, you're writing music, you're playing basketball. Um, you know, you've got, you've got deadlines, you've got, where, where did you see, where do you see, where did you see um, maybe both of those uh, questions, phrases, uh, where did you see anxiety most prevalent? It, was it is it was it by yourself? Was it playing ball? Mm-hmm. Was it or, where did it manifest most, or where does it manifest most? That's a really great question. So to give a little context, um, I the anxiety disorder that I was I struggled with since I was ten, but didn't actually get diagnosed till I was twenty one. Which, when I was diagnosed, made my whole life make sense. It was like a light in the dark, um, is, um, called obsessive compulsive disorder. So OCD, a lot of people, when they have like heard of it, maybe from afar, they think it's about like being a germaphobe or perfectionist, like kind of these stereotypes, but what it actually is, which is an umbrella of things, but is where your mind, um, receives all these intrusive thoughts that don't go away. And so you actually create these rituals and coping mechanisms outside of you to like cope with it and make the thoughts go away. So like, for example, um, I could be, I always give this at my shows just cause I love to give people context, but like I could be driving down a road and coming up to a stop sign. I get this intrusive thought that if I take a right at the stop sign, my, a family member will die in a car accident. And so I will, and it feels real. Like it kind of messes with reality and so you're like you will never take a right at the stop sign I'll always take a left um and that's the type of debilitation that like it really caused um what was interesting was all of um the anxiety that crawled up and the intrusive thoughts which were just in my brain like a pinball machine just going back and forth at all times um they would like okay sorry this is an ADHD moment (laughs) I saw something outside that's so irrelevant. Um, anyways, those intrusive thoughts and those coping mechanisms would be behind the scenes. And so 
on stage, on the court, in different places. Like no one would think anything's wrong. But it was when I was by myself, in my car, in my room, doing homework. Uh, it wasn't until I had a roommate who's my best friend, but we lived together and were together 24-7 for two years. She's the one who saw all my habits and saw what was going on and was like, you need to get this checked out. Like, this isn't healthy and good. Um, and so that's kind of what I experienced. No one really saw because it was all behind the scenes. But um, yeah, I'm into college. It showed up in sports. It showed up in different things. Um, but no one ever saw it, really. So if that answers your question. Yeah. So, so uh, all right. So instead of having fear about taking the shot and what happens if you miss the shot, uh, you're saying that sometimes this the uh, the, the anxiety w- would come out in a completely unrelated form. Did it sometimes come out in in natural or, or more related form, like you know having that second thought about taking the shot, or were were they mostly you know kind of like unrelated to the current reality? It would kind of show up like I'm thinking of examples just to make it tangible. If I had played a game and I only made a certain amount of points or if I, um, certain plays happen, I would actually not wear the same socks or the same clothing or it's different things, or I would oh, have okay. a game. So it would be attached to like, um, very controllable things I had in my world that had nothing to do with the play itself or the, whatever happened in the game or practice, but it would show up. Yeah with the clothes I would choose to wear, with how I would do my routine before the game, um, the way I would, like, I, I think of times I would be convinced that if I hold my breath walking through this door, that would affect my game. Like, so very irrational, but it was physically painful to not do the rituals and they would cause a lot of panic. So just really debilitating, but very odd. Yeah, but the rituals would relieve some of that anxiety? It They would temporarily to only... Right force anxiety later mm-hmm. to get to get through the moment yeah. yeah yeah so definitely isn't fun it's a very busy game up here all the time mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. how has that affected writing music has that come into play when you're writing music or is that sort of just like an outlet where you can focus only on music yeah so what's really interesting is um I learned later on in college that um, researching more about OCD and like getting an understanding of it, psychologists found that people who struggle with OCD often are really uber creative or like highly intelligent, not in like a, they're just super smart, just like very good at like being hyper intelligent in areas. Um, And I realized that all my life since I was a kid, all I wanted to do was that like create stuff because I had this like constant filterless creative energy and songs were the way that would like be funneled out. Um, and so in my world, I just found that something as debilitating as OCD actually can be made into something beautiful through the way I was just wired. And so while it's like learning how to, uh, navigate and not be like a victim to this mental health struggle, it also is something you don't have to like chip away. It's like, wow, it actually, um, is partly how I'm wired is to just create and to like make endless songs and ideas at all times. And so as plentiful as the intrusive thoughts were, it was also plentiful, all these song ideas and like vision and dreams and I, and just concepts I'd create. So if that answers your question, yeah, it was, that's kind of how it affected me. 
So you said you wrote a bunch of songs while you were playing basketball, um, but you just recently started releasing music again. So what made Love Who I Am the song you wanted to sort of start again with? Such a good question. Okay, I love telling this story because I I can't make up how the Lord works. Um, so when I graduated college and finished basketball, um, I had been doing this thing on social media called, specifically Instagram, Real Songs. And the whole idea was I'd write a song based on topics my like followers wanted a song written about. So it was the idea of like talking about like the real stuff, like the, so I would, they would have concepts like write a song about Chick-fil-A or like write a song about depression, like whatever they wanted. And it just was an exercise for me to write songs. There was one time, this was after I graduated college, um, but it was fresh out of my basketball career and struggling a lot with body image and identity and performance. Um, there was this, this prompt that some fan sent that I kept scrolling past and it said, quote, loving yourself. And I asked myself one day, I was like, what does this like, why don't I like this? Why don't I want to like write about it? And it occurred to me, it was because I didn't have an answer or a solution for what it meant to love myself. Cause I was in deep struggle with that. And I'm like, I grew up in a Christian home. Like I knew God loves me. I know people love me, but I don't know how to love me. And so I was like, well, just write from that perspective, I guess. And so I wrote the chorus of the song, Love Who I Am. And then I um, posted it and I got a lot of DMs from people being like, what is this song coming out? Like, I want this song. And I was like, oh, like people relate. And then <laughs> I decided to finish the song. I wrote it in my bedroom in like two days. It just totally felt like it fl flew out of me. And I remember sitting after I wrote the bridge, the lyrics that say, um, if I'm honest, I want to leave my skin. I'm so exhausting to live in. And I just cried like so much relief to get those words out. And I remember specifically just having this gut feeling. I'm like, this is the song. Like for my vision and what I want to do with music, like this song will trailblaze it. This, I felt like, yeah, I just, as a believer, I feel like the Lord said, this song is for millions. And I'm like, how I like literally have 2000 followers on Instagram, 200 monthly listeners, like just, I haven't released music in five years. Like, what do you mean, Lord? What could this mean? Um, but I was like, okay, we're going to pursue this as the first of a lot of songs and ended up releasing it last fall and it went viral. It did its thing. And I just praise the Lord for that. It's all him. That's so cool. Um, yeah, Love Who I Am definitely went viral. Um, personally, I when I found the song, I found it for a radio show that I was doing at my school where oh. we play Christian music every, it was every Friday. And I found the song randomly on Instagram one day when I was just scrolling through Christian artists. Great. And I remember when I found it, it was at like 20,000 listens. And so I was like, oh, this is like a new artist. Like, this is so cool. I'm going to get to talk about it on my radio show. And a couple months later, I was showing it to my family and it was at over 100,000 listens. And I was like, what, like, what's <laughs> happening? Like, this is crazy. And then my whole family now listens to this song all the time. So your oh, wow. song is impacting so many people and that's just so cool. Um, but what has it been like having a song go viral? Like, how did that affect you? I know mentally that probably yeah. made you go all over the place. Just what was that like? That's you asking good questions. It's been uh, quite an experience. My life has definitely 
uh, shifted and changed in ways way faster and quicker than I thought. Um, I think the biggest part about it, the, the part that really uh, wrecked me the most in a good way, like just impacted me was the amount of stories and DMs of the song encountering people I like all over the world. I was like, my voice, like this song is like inserted into like vulnerable moments with these random people. And to me, that was humbling. Cause I'm like, who am I to like have a voice in their life at all? Like, I don't even know these people at all, but just somehow it was like an honor that I, every time I read these stories, I was like, I cry. I'd be like, this song is like doing what the Lord like shared, like what he said the song was supposed to do. So just a lot of gratefulness in feeling so honored. Um, at the same time, it was the strongest ironic challenge to walk into like this song making, like launching my career kind of. And then me going, I still can't put my identity in this, but now I kind of want to. Now it's like naturally becoming, oh no, like if I release another song, it does bad. I must be a bad artist, like the spiral. (laughs) So I think the song simultaneously while blowing up was like speaking to me at the same time. Like remember love yourself not through other people's lenses but the one who made you the one who created you like he's the one that you need to always see yourself through so it's ironic but it's i cherish each moment it's been great that's so cool on the topic of love who i am the theme that it's surrounded with is lots of perception of ourselves and that's something i've seen increase a lot more than I think it ever has. Mm. You know, I see it in siblings. I see it in friends, just the impact social media is having on this perception of who we're supposed to be. Like, am I supposed to look like the people on my feed? Um, who decides that I have value? Who decides that I, I'm who I'm, who I'm supposed to be? Um, and Love Who I Am really touches on that. And I know you said you wrote it because you didn't know the answer. And the song is sort of about the struggles but what would you, I guess, what advice would you give um, for finding mm-hmm. that answer for the people who are struggling with that? Because I think it's more prevalent than it ever has been before. Yes. Oh, you ask me as I am still discovering it in real time. I'm like, what is the answer? I think uh, there's two things that have come to my brain with that, that I'm really learning how to do myself. One is... Um, in our current age, especially like the age of Gen Z and Gen Alpha, I mean, it applies to everyone, but there is, we've never been more saturated with like voices telling us who we're supposed to be. Like, not just like social media existing itself, but like identity is the most confused thing. Like, you have to be this, you have to look like this, you should do this, like, have this career um you shouldn't have this career like this is really dumb but I think of all the different things social media tells us of like what's healthy what's not healthy this thing is the most nutritious thing this like there's so many voices it's like endless and infinite in my brain and I think I'm not surprised that the struggle is so strong right now so the advice that I have found that's really helped me is to like get to the quiet place strip away of all the noise and all the voices and get somewhere quiet, whether that's just to be and like just exist in yourself. Um, But I also believe that's getting just with the word, the Lord in you um, and being so okay, being a mess in the quiet place. But I think that like idea of 
being somewhere where it's simple, where there's not this noise and these voices allows you to even hear what your own, like your own heart, what your own voice is saying. Like, how are you speaking to yourself? What, like, it just is to like ground yourself. Um, I think that's the starting point that really helped me even navigate to going like, what is the voice that should speak into who I am? Um, And uh, something I really always love to share is getting into that quiet place can be scary because all of the things you didn't want to deal with are now going to come up and surface the anxieties, the confusion, the depression, like it will. But um, when you get there, the heart of who Jesus is does not repel the mess. He draws near to it. And so the best place you can be as uncomfortable as it is at first is in the quiet place with him. And once you can do that, I think then we discover not just in our brains, like knowing what our identity is in the Lord, but actually experiencing it in our own hearts. So yeah, get quiet. That's, that's what I have. <laughs> that's really good. Allison, I, I had a, th- when I listened to your song, Love Who I Am, uh, I immediately thought about a proverb. It took me a little while to find it before we we got on the line. But in Proverbs 29, uh, in the NLT, it says, uh, fearing people is a dangerous trap, but trusting the Lord means safety. And, you know, these Proverbs are are, are broad ideas. But when I think about fearing people, I'm thinking about the voices that you have inferred, right? That you are uh, pointing to the po- the voices in our head, because those voices come from somewhere, right? They come from our conditioning. They come from uh, expectations. They they come whether whether we do it to ourselves or whether others, you know, have implanted those things in there. But then you know, you ladies have been talking about you know understanding how God you know views us. And then, uh, man, I thought Chase's question was great. Okay, great, great song, uh, great message. Now help us, what's next? And I loved your answer about getting alone and and getting quiet. And when I work with leaders, uh, one of the first things that I, I like to work on is is them because you know it's it's me. I you know I bring me into all my relationships. I bring me into all my places, and so. You know, meeting with my creator, getting aligned with my creator, that's the hardest work, isn't it? And if if we can all work on that, then maybe, and it's kind of like in, in, a, in a business world or even in your music business and ministry, you know, figuring out what your values are before you get too far down the road. Because uh, the crazy thing about success, if we can use that word, maybe we can use the word popularity, um, the the problem with those experiences is there's not less voices, then comes more voices. And then other people have a wonderful plan for your life. And so uh, I remember when I was a youth pastor many, many years ago, you know, I would I would try to share with the kids. I said, the more decisions you can make right now in your life about what you believe, what you don't believe, what you'll do, what you won't do, the more you can do that now, the better you'll be at game time when it right when when it when it matters. And it's almost like you can wake yourself up from this dream. You know, how you started this podcast to me is uh, this interview to me was just remarkable. You know, when you were used talking about the stop sign, if you take a right there, something bad's gonna happen, somebody in your family, you know, for me that just was like, okay, I'm done. I'm going, <laughs> golly, how many you know, 
I, I remember thinking that if at different times in my life, because there is a reaping and sowing, you know, principle in this life, right? And and sometimes um, I, I did have thoughts about, well, gosh, if if I did that, who's going to be punished because of what I did? So I, you know, I've thought of those things, but I've never thought it about it in as you know granular as 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 you have. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to make one more comment and, and throw this back in Chase's uh, lap. I'm just so excited about what you're doing and want to encourage mm-hmm. you to continue to do it. And here, here's why. In in my 64 years of life, um, I have learned through experience that thoughts become words, thoughts become language, and words and language become flesh. And mm-hmm. what I mean by that is, uh, you know, for the listener, Scripture teaches us that, that uh, God spoke things into existence. And then later on through human history, he reintroduces himself as flesh through Christ. And, um, we, and being that we are made in the image and the likeness of God, um, though we can't do what he does, we, we are a reflection of that. And good or bad, good thoughts can turn into good words and into good realities. But so can bad thoughts, right? And that's kind mm-hmm. of what you're, you know, you're, you're waging war against these, these wrong thoughts, you know, that can hurt us. So, so though I'm not an artist like you are, you know, there are songs that move me. Mm-hmm. Um, there are songs of ancient days that move me. And there are songs that were written yesterday, you know, that I haven't heard yet that I will hear that, that will move me. And um, I, I just think you guys, I'm, I'm using the plural too, you know, you guys. <laughs> I've taken your lead. Yeah, I've taken your lead. So, uh, yeah, yeah, your, your massive organization, what you guys are working on. and But that's the way it goes, right? Things, there's nothing wrong with uh, small beginnings. And now it's not so small. I mean, that's pretty powerful what this, this song mm-hmm. is doing. So I just wanted to inter- interject that. I thought that was uh, some pretty powerful things going on in, in in your life and through your life. Absolutely. It, it, thank you for sharing all that. It totally makes me think how Scripture tells us, too, that life and death are in the power of the tongue. Mm. How we see, how we say things yeah. totally speaks over. You said it turns into the flesh. Like It literally molds who we are. And so, of course, the enemy would want to sneak in and use our own self and our words and our mind to attackers like self-sabotage. And it's like, wow, if that's true, it means the opposite has to be true that what we say and what we think actually empowers who we are. And so the devil tries to be clever, but if we know the Lord, he just exposes exactly how we can actually be redeemed in it. Yeah. I I think that, um, I think that what we forget sometimes is, you know, let's take, let's take my platform. My platform reaches, you know, X amount of people and X amount of situations. But, you know, there, there's a, a new generation of leadership that is coming up and needs to continue to come up because, you, you, you know, you guys are, are living in the same era ab- about the same time and you're talking about the things and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you, you, are, you are leading and you're, you're leading by, uh, well, what, kind of what I talked about in the earlier part uh, of the podcast, you're aligning yourself to truth. And the funny thing about 
leading yourself well is that when you lead yourself well, not that you're doing it for this reason, but when you lead yourself well, the weirdest thing is people begin to notice and mm. they, they want to experience what you're experiencing. And so then you begin to be an influence. And then these people, these folks uh, follow you and will support you because you had the courage to go, wait a second and, and fight back. And like you said, you know, uh, I think what's true of you is also true of Chase, which is also true of me. We were raised in a Christian home and, mm-hmm. And as great of a foundation as that is, so many people have not been, and now they're trying to catch up, so to speak. And for us, probably, maybe this isn't true for you, but I think I took it for granted until life happened. And then I mm-hmm. went, wow, those things that I have been exposed to, those, those ideas, um, scripture, those things really matter and then, you know, there's a personal revival in your own heart and in your own, own mind. But the cool thing is, is that through all of that, God gives you a voice. And it's a unique voice because this is all about God. It's God's story, but he's writing you into his story. And as he's doing that, he's given you a voice that's unique that he can use today. Mm, amen. He loves to partner with who he's created. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Thinking about like leading in our own lives, as um, Jim was talking about, and how you say being in a quiet place is sort of the best way to recuperate, to get back with God. Um, Your new song you released, I think, a week ago or so, Mm -hmm. um, which I also love so much. Um, I love that. (laughs) I saw on Instagram, you were talking about how it was a hard thing for you to release because it felt very vulnerable because it's something you're struggling with. Um, This idea of, for you, it was addiction to a phone, but obviously that could be different things for so many people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of the hardest things I think for people to do is to accept that we struggle sometimes and to come to the realization that there are things that we have to work on. So how was, what inspired you, I guess, to, to write a song about the thing that you realized, oh, I'm struggling with this. And now I'm going to tell these thousands of people who listen to me that I'm struggling with it. Cause <laughs> one, it's hard enough to come to that understanding. Oh, I, I need to work on this, but two, to, to share that with so many people, um, what inspired and pushed you to do that? That is a really good question. And I will tell you in real time, I'm currently a little shaky because I'm like, (laughs) there is something that is scary to just expose who you are. And I said this in the Instagram post that you read. um, I like controlled vulnerability, like um, being able to (laughs) put out what I want people to see is vulnerable about me. But then when it's like raw and exposed and I'm like, okay, when when real life came out, so this was a week ago, I was currently at a um, NBA game with my family. We got tickets for Christmas. We're big Timberwolves fans because Minnesota. And um, while we were at this game, it's still going at like 11 p.m. And it's super loud. And at the same time, my song is releasing. So like this super vulnerable song, following love who I am. Like, And then I'm at this super overstimulating 20,000 NBA fans screaming and there's noise and everything. I went to bed that night just like in tears because I was like my whole life is exposed I want to hide away like I want to not do this again (laughs) like just spirally and I just share that because that's it that's what it feels like it's it is scary 
it like absolutely is terrifying to be vulnerable about something. But in the last year and a half, what I really have discovered in that is that freedom in life comes by not doing things unafraid, but the opposite by doing things scared. Like freedom is experienced when you do things scared. It's like the idea of skydiving. I did this a year ago. You did, you jump out of the plane and it takes the, like you do it scared, totally anxious and terrified. And then when you're falling in the sky, it's the most blissful experience. And so I think vulnerability, one, not just allows us to experience freedom, but also we're in the most confused, like what is real, what is not type of place. Everyone's putting their manicured self on the internet. Everyone's sharing themselves in their perfect form. And it's creating so much isolation and the Lord never wanted us to be alone. And so vulnerability, I find is the most beautiful doorway to helping people not feel alone. And that's so my heart with my music. I'm like, if I'm going to write a song and put it out there, I want it to be as authentic as it can because it's to help pull people out of isolation and into belonging is what I needed for a long time. And by the grace of the Lord, I did get, but I'm like, if there's millions of people out there who feel isolated and alone in what they're going through in something that, is so common and like so prevalent and gosh i'll write a song if that if that's what it takes i'll put one out there that can help someone not feel alone so yeah vulnerability i that's why i'm like we're gonna do real life next because it scares the heck out of me to release that one so that's my sign to make that one the next song that's awesome i don't know if i would have the guts to do that so it's it's very very cool and what yeah, you're doing i'm not i'm not gonna do it so <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I'll take one for the team. I was so vulnerable heart out there, but I love it. It, It's like the Lord has it protected. The Lord protects my heart. So I trust him. Um, for those of us who maybe aren't necessarily going to, you know, share our struggles with so many people um, in the way that you've been able to, um, what would you give advice on for just how to recognize them in ourselves and to come to terms with them in ourselves and realize, okay, I need to bring this to God. This is something I need to work on. I think it's also scary even to just like recognize that in our own minds sometimes. Yes, totally. To go to the, to the thing that you've been neglecting for so long. It's interesting. Um, when I wrote real life, I, the picture that came to mind was um, with the screen addiction that I was really struggling with. And there was some other addiction things in the past too that were incorporated with it. But I pictured myself if like real life, like itself as a concept was just like a really cozy, warm cabin, like in the woods in the winter. And it was like this warm place to call home to, to find a haven. I felt like I was standing outside in 10 degrees in the snow, in the woods, in the dark, just completely numb. And I, I desired to go in and to like go into this cabin, but that would mean I'd have to thaw out all the things I've suppressed and numb for so long. And that is scary. That is so, it's scary. It's deeply uncomfortable and there's tension and it can hurt a lot. Um, and it does. I, I validate that 100%. It does hurt. But what I found is when you do thaw out, you're like really frozen limbs and it's like everything's tingly and painful and it hurts. Um, to step into that, you start to see how rewarding and joyful and how peaceful it is 
to finally be in warmth and to be in real life and to be in comfort. Um, And so I would just encourage people to know that healing is thawing out, but the reward at the end of it is greater than they could ever imagine. And also, again, Jesus's heart does not repel the mess at all. Like they they can't, the one who created them, who loves them the most, they cannot change that about who he is. And that the more broken, the more, the greater the suffering, um, the harder, the greater the sin, he is like a magnet to that. Like it, it says in um, Matthew 11, 29, it says that, God's heart at the core of who he is, is gentle and lowly. And I'm like, the idea of lowly, like that has been so fascinating to me because lowliness is this place of coming under someone. And if the Lord's compassionate heart is towards us who are so lowly, it means he likes to come under even our lowliness and lift us up. And that's his heart that you can't, can't change that at all. And so I cling to that. And I just... Gosh, to know the Lord is to just offer all your broken pieces to Him. And He's going to make it so good. He's going to make it more beautiful than you could have if you tried to build it back yourself. So You describe vulnerability like only an artist can describe. <laughs> that, was, that, was some, that was absolutely amazing. Uh, I will now forever think of vulnerability as being in that little cabin, toasty, in front of the fire, the quiet place. A, <laughs> it literally yeah, that, that that quiet place and watching the snow, you know, fall outside the outside the window. Um, and frankly, it, it reminds me, you know, of the verse that I read just earlier in Proverbs, um, that cabin feels safe, right? It feels warm. It feels mm-hmm. it feels safe. Um, I, I, I know that Chase probably has some other questions for you, but I wanted to jump in here too. Now you said this, I think before I hit the record button, um, but you said that in, in basketball, uh, you were probably more known for, for defense. And, and uh, you know, I haven't been able to get that out of my head. Why, why, do, you think, why do you think that is? Why, why did you, you know, because, you know, defense is a, it's a mindset. It's a temperament. It's a commitment. Um, I used to coach basketball. So, uh, you, know. you know, yeah, there, you know, I would say the majority of basketball players are not taken to defense. And when someone, you know, says, I, you know, I was pretty much known for defense. What, why do you think that is? You know, um, when I transferred to Northwestern, I played there for my final junior, senior year. And that's where defense totally clicked. So I actually learned kind of a technique of how to play man defense at the previous school I transferred from. And my junior year, something just clicked and it, like I went from probably being the slowest defender at the start of my college career to like being the most aggressive anticipatory defender mm. um, in my own like ex- like skill level. Like it, it was the peak of how, the best defense I played. And um, I think as a competitor, very um, just like, I don't know what's the word I'm thinking of like a motor, like I just love to go. And defense felt like the most controllable part of the game. And to just get up in someone's grill and like make them <laughs> feel so uncomfortable and just frazzled. I was like, now you're going oh, from art, you're going from artist talk to, to jock talk. <laughs> Only on the Today Count show, we're going from leadership, artistic talk now to jock talk. This I is good. Two different worlds of mine. I feel like, yeah, 
I feel like, you know, that sorry, it's a little random, but Hannah Montana, the show, I feel like Chase, you would, you know, the show. there's like Hannah Montana life. And then there's like Miley Stewart. And I'm like, I feel like that with music and sports, like <laughs> artist mode, completely not. But then they overlap too. I mean, there's creativity in both lanes, but um, yeah, I think defense just felt like this uh, most controllable part of the game, which is why I'm like, I have the opportunity like there's nothing that feels lucky. It's like my work ethic and my like skill of mind wise and technique wise. I'm like, it's like an endless thing I can grow. So, yeah, it, uh, Sherry probably retired long before you you got too deep into this. But uh, ha- have you heard of the name Sherry Cole? Uh, mm-hmm. Sherry Cole, yeah, she's the Hall of Fame coach from the University of Oklahoma, and she's been on our show, but. Um, Um, she, she talked to me a lot about that when, when she would, would have, and she'd always call them guys, which I always thought, you know, was funny. You know, she said, well, I call the girls guys. That's just, that's just the way basketball talk is my guys. And she said, but you know, when we would, when we'd start the beginning of the year, one of the first things I would notice is who takes a liking to defense. And those are the ones that, you know, my eyes went to. Uh, because they were gamers, you know, they they wanted to be in the game. They just, just didn't want to watch their follow through and watch the ball go through the hoop all net and, you know, whatnot. Because those are the ones that, you know, are going to tend to like to throw the uh, picks and get involved in the screens and, and work away from the ball, you know, as, as mm-hmm. well. But I'm chasing a different, I'm chasing a different rabbit <laughs> right now. I was just really Good. interested in that. Here I am talking to this, uh, this up and coming uh, artist and uh, you still kind of have me in basketball land it, it is kind of is kind of where I'm at. Um, I had a couple other things that I was curious about because I know music is a big part of your life, um, but you also have a ministry called Moment Ministries. And I was just curious to hear a little bit more about that, what inspired you to start it and what you're doing with that. Yes. Moment Ministries is a... Um, retreat slash camp that we do here in the Twin Cities in Minnesota for middle school and high school girls. And I actually started that in 2018. Also the summer that I released the In the Moment EP. So all that kind of was happening right before college. Um, But the whole mission behind this um, retreat camp experience is to help inspire and equip girls to know their identity in Christ. Um, Specifically, uh, my heart goes to Gen Z, um, but there's a special place in my heart for young girls because the mental health stats for what they walk through, the societal pressures is like just so uh, numerous and heavy. And what these girls survive in schools, like I just remember when I was in middle school, girls were like, like high school girls said, just survive middle school, like get through it. It'll be so much better on the other side. Then in high school, college girls would be like, just survive high school, like just push through it. It's great when you get to college. And I realized you get to that point in life and it's like one time didn't solve anything. I still struggle with what I did in sixth grade. <laughs> and then two, well, we tell, we tell lies just to get you to the other side. Then we have to tell more lies. It's such a survival tech. And I'm like, and then the other part was if God created us with these specific years of middle school and high school, then he has to have something greater than just survival in it. Like there's gotta be purpose and beauty in it. So I was on a mission to discover that and pour that into young girls as well. And so we, love it's like camps these are they're like worship and uh, messages workshops guest speakers games small groups all this stuff but 
the whole goal is to not just like inspire them, but equip them to walk away with tools, knowing how to know their identity in Christ. Like we're the beginning of their journey, not just the mountain high. So that's, we do that every summer. Um, they're very local. It's very much in the Twin Cities. Um, any girls are welcome, of course, but um, it's a very big highlight of the year when we get to host those. I grew up going to a church camp and it has impacted me a lot. So I just thought that was so cool. And I saw that you did that for for young girls because camp definitely pushed me in my faith. Um, mm-hmm. Sort of, it's an experience like mother getting to spend a week like surrounded with God. Oh, um, so needed. So needed. And you talked about um, like mountaintop experience, you said. And that's what we always talk about in my church with camp is you feel that mountaintop experience. But what's what you're trying to learn at camp is what to do when you're not on that mountaintop experience. So Love that's that. yes. something that I think young girls definitely need to learn. So that's super mm-hmm. sweet that you get to do that. Um, thank you. Yes. Thank you for asking. Um, and then lastly, I'm, I'm just curious what exciting things you have coming up, um, what we should be on the lookout for and where that we was should my be. question too. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love I, it. I love I'm, I'm on the edge of my seat. Like I, I'm so excited to just continuously add your songs to my playlists and, <laughs> I just want to so know. What <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, so many exciting things. I'm so excited to share. So one is um, we have one more single coming out and then an EP. We, as in me. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, there's one more and then an EP. And then... Um, okay, I, wait a second. Wait a second. That's the third or fourth time you said, what is an EP? I don't know. Oh, great question. An EP is like a short album. So it's like five or six songs, four songs. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So it's like a mini album, mini record. Uh, so that's what... I will be doing by the end of March. So after that, we then head on tour around the U.S., me and my band, which I didn't expect to the extent that we are pursuing it to be. But because I love who I am and the grace of the Lord, um, we're going to be going to a lot of churches, uh, universities, and then it'll be those communities combined with just these new fans to come to shows. Um, So we're still in the thick of that process. We're still adding shows in and filling the calendar as much as we can. Um, But that's what's to come. And this whole EP is just what is Jesus and mental health and what does that look like? And there's no perfect answer, but oh, to like know how to be real with the Lord is freedom. So um, that's what these songs are about. I'm so excited to share the songs to come. Oh, I'm getting the (laughs) back now. Like we're listening and working on them. So in time, it'll happen. Yeah, just talking about it, it empowers people, makes them makes them stronger. Getting things um, out in the open like that, uh, Chase, you did a great job. Uh, great questions. I enjoyed your questions, and uh, right, yeah, and uh, uh, Allison, really uh, love what what you're doing. Uh, please continue to do it. Uh, obviously, you know Chase is a witness of uh, the power of of what you're doing. Um, I work with people from all kinds of different ages, and I'm not sure that there's an age where where people get fixed. Mm-hmm. It's something that is a constant need, you know, for all of us. Um, you know, getting older is is not easy. That has its own, you know, challenges. And so, actually, I think uh, the more we talk about this, multi generationally speaking, the better. And I appreciate both you ladies, and thank you, Allison, for taking the time being on the show. Thank you guys for taking the time. I'm so honored to share 
and to be a part of what the ministry and the work you guys are doing. So thank you. Chase, you killed it too. <laughs> I've been looking for all talking to you all week, so. <laughs> so <yeah. laughs> If you're not part of the Lead Today community, let me invite you. Go to leadtodaycommunity.com. That's leadtodaycommunity.com and sign up for Monday Moments. It's a weekly email that will encourage your leadership. Again, thank you for joining us today and thank you for telling a friend about the Today Counts show.